I'm Caroline, a yoga teacher with a special interest in menopause based in Edinburgh. And hi, I'm Dr Claire, a GP with a special interest in menopause based in North London. Together we are the Menopause Sisters and we're here to guide and support you through your menopause journey. Welcome to the Menopause Sisters show with myself, Caroline, and my sister, Dr. Claire. And we're delighted today to welcome Tracy Stanley, who is a yoga teacher who specializes in yoga nidra, guiding meditation and self-inquiry practices. And, and Tracy is somebody I followed and admired for a long time. She's got the most beautiful book called Radiant Rest. I just love that name. And we wanted to invite her onto the show to talk us through yoga nidra, what the benefits are and how potentially it can help menopausal symptoms. Welcome, Tracy. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being here. I wondered maybe if you could just start with a little bit of background around, you know, you becoming a yoga teacher and then kind of going in that direction towards yoga nidra, sort of almost going in that direction a little bit more deeper. Mm. Well, let's see. I had a very busy career. And I was lucky enough to discover yoga um, through a friend. And ironically, around the same time that my career started to take off, I actually also was introduced to the practice of yoga nidra, which was in like 2001. Um, And at that time, I was starting to see what the benefits were for me and for all of my friends who had been practicing yoga not so much yoga nidra, but more of the physical asana practices. And I really wanted to have a place where people could find yoga and it would be accessible to them. So I opened a little donation only yoga studio underneath this space where I was living in my uh, apartment in West Hollywood. And I immediately started to just see the benefits, first of all, of community, because it was the first time that I'd ever had any kind of community that was centered around something that everyone was sharing and this kind of like-minded experience other than like being in church when I was little. (laughs) So it was really nice to have community and to have that support. And I had no intention on teaching at all. And then one day somebody called in and couldn't make it. And I had to cover their class at the last minute. And I was like, oh, I should probably do like a yoga training just in case this ever happens again. And when I started my yoga training, I realized that yoga was so much more than what I understood it to be because the yoga that I had been practicing was basically physical asana. There was not a lot of mention of the eight limbs of yoga. And so once I started to learn about yoga and tantra, I was like, wait a second, this is like a whole microcosm in itself that is just, you know, so expansive and beautiful that I decided to start teaching. And when I started teaching, I started to realize that I was receiving much more joy from teaching than I was making action movies, which was my previous career. So I started to kind of do both. I started to look for ways in which to infuse some of the principles of yoga into the films that I was making and into the um, the ways that we were making films. And I think that I, I really started to notice when I began teaching, even though my classes were much more physical um, and dynamic and based on strength, that I always ended class with some sort of systematic deep relaxation practice. And I started to notice that that became a request. 
right? So originally like the request was, oh, can we work on handstand, you know, or can we work on something like, you know, some arm balance? And then it really became, oh, are we going to do that thing again where we get to go through the body and, and we get to rest? Um, and as I started to practice it more, I started to understand what the real benefits were. And I have so much further to continue to go in the exploration of yoga nidra, but it was just um, something that was a game changer. So for me as a busy executive um, and someone who at the time was also raising um, the granddaughter of the partner that I was with at the time, I realized that I was actually more clear and more able to um, do things in a way that allowed me to say, let's say, be more productive in a way because I had such clarity from, mm -hmm. and I was rested. I wasn't coming from a place of exhaustion and confusion. It was just, and so that's when I decided to start shifting my classes when I was still teaching classes to being kind of one third asana, one third meditation and one third yoga nidra. And I started to see the same people coming to class and they were telling me what the benefits were. And so that's kind of how that happened. <laughs> that permission to rest that so many people don't give themselves. Um, and I can imagine the power of watching everyone in rest, but as a, as at the same time requesting it and going, wow, you know, this, this is what I'm wanting. This is why I'm coming to see you. Are we going to do that thing again? Um, it's incredibly powerful. And could you maybe just explain a little bit more to our listeners um, what Yoga Nidra is and, and, and maybe how it works? Yeah. So, you know, Yoga Nidra is many different things. Um, when we talk about it in general, we talk about it as a technique. And that technique is a technique of systematic deep relaxation. And so in general, when you're practicing yoga nidra, you might be lying in a comfortable resting shape that is supine, but definitely supported to make your body comfortable, to feel like you can kind of sort of begin to release a little bit of the resistance and constriction in the body. And most times you are guided by another person so either by a recording or by a teacher in person where they are the ones that are guiding you to focus on your breath. So maybe you're going to start to focus on diaphragmatic breathing and allow the parasympathetic nervous system to begin to kind of turn on. You're going to realize that, oh, I'm actually supported by something that is unconditionally supporting me. And I don't need to earn this idea of oh, I can rest when I finish doing this. It's like, no, I can actually reclaim this kind of birthright of ours to be able to be rested. And as you continue, and there's so many different ways in which you can be led through this. But if we think about this idea of systematic relaxation, we can think of from the tip of the toes to the top of the head, we're just being guided through the body parts to kind of relax those body parts, to notice what's happening in those body parts, to see if it feels safe for us to release them. And if not, then we can begin to inquire into that and we can create the boundaries and the setups that we need to be able to feel um, as though it's more safe for us to rest. And we also know that 
um, there's no way that a teacher can ever ensure safety in any way. And anything can come up in the time of practicing yoga nidra. So yoga nidra as a technique is a systematic relaxation technique that um, is leading you to these different states of consciousness, right? And so we, a lot of times the definition of yoga nidra is thought about as conscious sleep or the yoga of sleep. And so what does conscious sleep mean? It, it means that there's a part of us that is always awake and aware, mm. right? Always awake and aware, but we're not in touch with that part of ourselves, right? We're not in, in touch with that, the one who is always watching. We're in touch with the external because all of our awareness is always generally being pulled outward. And so when we begin to kind of touch into these practices of the fifth limb of yoga, which is pratyahara, we get to start to withdraw the senses inward. And I, I love this definition of pratyahara from Swami Veda Bharati, where he says that pratyahara is the withdrawal of the senses so that we can reassimilate into our true nature. And so that is the real practice of yoga nidra is withdrawing your senses inward so that you can begin to touch into this place within you that is always awake and always watching and that always knows. And so what are, what is this place within us watching? It's watching us and it's aware in the waking state, which is maybe the state that we're in now, right? We're talking. Um, and then into the dream state, we become aware, right? And and I think the closest thing that we might relate to the dream state and being aware of that is when you become aware that you're daydreaming, mm. right? That your mind has gone somewhere, your imagination has become so expansive, but you're aware of it. And yet it feels like you're in this space in between, and then this place of deep sleep. And then the fourth state is known as this place of Torya. And that is said to be very similar to the state that is Yoga Nidra. Um, and it's often defined as peace beyond words. Uh, Torya means the fourth. It's the place of the void. It's a place of the unknown. And so I feel like when you start to move towards this place of the unknown, it also starts to mimic this idea of death, right? Because it's the greatest transition and it's the one that we're always most fearful of, right? Because we don't know what's there. So that's when we get deeper into this idea of yoga nidra is like, can we lie down? Can we rest? Can we release everything? Can we die to the world, right? Can, can we allow our ego to die? Mm -hmm. And can we awaken to the soul? And then when we wake back up, can we reassemble ourselves in a new way so that we can be more clear and more vibrant um, and more purposeful in life? Um, and then the last definition of yoga nidra is that yoga nidra is also a goddess and, and she is written about in the Devi Mahatma 
Um, and she is the goddess that has the Shakti of repose, as my friend Uma Dinsmore Tuli likes to say. And so um, we're helpless without this power of repose, despite the fact that dominant culture wants to tell us that if we're resting, we're lazy. And if we're not doing, we're worthless. It's um, it's fascinating to to listen. There's a very westernized doctor who's very keen on providing more holistic care, which is happening more and more. I think certainly where we where I'm based, it, it seems to be, you know, five or six years ago, it was very much no, you know, alternative practices are frowned upon, and this is the way you must go. But that's obviously thankfully changing a lot, and we're incorporating a lot of different yoga practices within a more holistic care model but it's really it's almost sort of pins and needles moments for me listening to you talk about it because it's so it sounds so beautiful um and I I wondered if you could I mean I I can imagine some of the benefits but I don't want to just presume I wondered if you could talk me through some of the the obvious benefits that practicing yoga nidra would would be Mm. Well, you know, the the deep rest is a deep rest that occurs on the mind, body, and soul level. I think the biggest and most um, prominent kind of, uh, you know, result that people come back with is that it helps them with insomnia because it teaches us to be able to observe the transitions between those states of consciousness and to if we're if we're witnessing our body kind of relaxing and we're witnessing our breath changing and we're witnessing changes in our nervous system happening we also kind of get to witness like oh here is that liminal space here is that hypnagogic space between being awake and falling asleep And one of the things that happens as we practice more yoga nidra is that we learn to kind of hover in that hypnagogic space, in that space between. And I think that what happens is for people who are suffering from insomnia is that they get to recognize, first of all, here are the steps to bringing myself towards this hypnagogic state. And once I'm in that state, I can choose I'm going to continue practicing yoga nidra, which means that I'm hovering in this space and I'm continuing to do a practice, or I can use this space and allow myself to go to sleep because now I start to recognize the sleeper's breath. Like what does my breath sound like when I'm about to fall asleep? And once I recognize that sleeper's breath, I can say, oh, I'm going to hold on to that sleeper's breath and I'm going to allow myself to drift in to the space of sleep. The other thing that um, a lot of people who suffer from really um, profound insomnia will tell me is that they use yoga nidra um, practices to fall asleep and then they'll wake up in the middle of the night and sometimes won't be able to fall asleep for hours. So like if waking up at one and then not, you know, being able to fall asleep for hours, they just do yoga nidra. They just basically do yoga nidra after yoga nidra after yoga nidra, and they come back a, a really rested. 
So one of the benefits of yoga nidra, um, even though it's not technical as a spiritual practice, it's not meant for you to fall asleep. It's meant for you to have remain, have this wakefulness. It is a tool for people to be able to, to fall asleep. And I think that one of the biggest benefits um, is really being able to uh, partner with the practice, learn more about yourself and what it takes for you to release and also to be able to see what's happening in the mind and what's happening in the body. So that that's one. The other benefit I feel that happens is obviously being rested, mm-hmm. right? Is that you can be rested. There's, there's all these sayings in the spiritual books that there was one book that that said something like maybe 20 years ago that doing 20 minutes of yoga nidra is the same, has the same effect as sleeping for able to find the research as I've looked to find the research study that actually says that that is true. Um, But there have been studies that were done at um, the men energy Institute basically um, showed that there was uh, a Swami who went in and they kind of recorded that he was in these stages of Delta and Theta of which they thought, okay, he's sleeping and they were having conversations and repeating certain sentences because he had told them that he would be able to be conscious and awake. And afterwards he was able to basically tell them exactly what it was that was said these experiments were done again um, by one of his students who wanted to replicate these um, in the early 2000s. And as they were hooking up all of the things for the EEG or EKG, it's EEG, yeah? Yeah. So yeah, the EEG. Basically what happened was that as they were hooking everything up, they noted the assistant noticed that he was in theta state, theta brainwave state which would normally determine that like all external awareness has been cut off and you're probably unconscious, right? Or in a coma. And they were like, oh, something's got to be wrong with the equipment. They alerted everyone. And he, they said, no, 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 just go ahead, put the equipment back on. And what they realized was that his, he was in theta state having a full conversation. So it was almost as if, um, that he had been practicing yoga nidra for so long for decades, like probably six decades by that time that somehow that was, that was a predominant brainwave state for him in the waking state. Mm -hmm. So, and there's been other experiments done in PET scans where people have done yoga nidra and they've observed the brain. And so we know that um, this deep rest And what comes from deep rest, what comes from this place of deep rest is also this connection to kind of our inner self. Um, So I think the the benefits of yoga nidra um, are very vast. And I think we, we are barely scratching the surface of understanding what they are. I think it's interesting as well, you know, I wanted to pick up on the word practice as well there, Tracy, because often when I'm guiding people in a relaxation or a yoga nidra or, you know, something around this, I find it so difficult, you know, what can I do to stay present? And and it's really interesting because there's often a a real need to find this rest and take this time, but there's almost sometimes a rush to get there. And in just picking up on the word practice there, I know that 
it's taken years for me to be able to, you know, really fully, I suppose, let go and, and, and be able to find a deep relaxation. And I wondered if you had any sort of thoughts or suggestions around that for those who are perhaps quite early on in the stages of practicing yoga nidra um, and, and, and meditation, actually, as well. This is a, another thing that comes up in meditation of, you know, of being present and, uh, and, and just working, working with the process. Mm, that's that's such a um, beautiful question. And I think, you know, we can also think about the culture that we're in, right? This dominant culture is very extractive. And so in general, we have these transactional relationships with people. And we tend to also have these transactional relationships with our own practice. Mm. Right? Where it's like, oh, I'm going to sit down and do meditation so I can get something out of it. So the first thing that I would say is, is create a ritual around your practice of offering the benefits of your practice, just releasing the benefits of your practice to a community or a person that needs healing or that needs um, light so that it's not yours, right? That would be the first thing. That's beautiful. Yeah. The second thing that I would say is um, creating boundaries. So so there is a practice um, in my book, Radiant Rest, that is called the Energetic Circles of Protection. And it, it really is this kind of um, way for us to create boundaries around ourselves, kind of psychic boundaries, energetic boundaries around our physical body so that we can feel as though the the worries and the concerns and all the thoughts while we're practicing can remain outside of those boundaries and that the inside of the circle is this kind of sacred abode for us to be able to rest. So I noticed that during the pandemic, because that was when the book came out, was yeah. kind of in the midst of everything happening, that that, that practice was something that... Um, really spoke to people. Um, and people who have suffered from trauma have also told me that it's a practice that they use even when they're going into the office, like they've taken it outside of the yoga nidra room and basically brought it in, into life. And it's been, it's been very helpful. So um, creating boundaries not only energetic boundaries, but physical boundaries, knowing that yoga nidra does not need to be practiced in a supine position. Um, Sometimes, a a lot of times, teachers will say, close your eyes, and closing your eyes doesn't feel comfortable, right? So we can practice with eyes open. We can practice with ourselves leaning up against a wall facing the door. We can practice with a pet in the room or a trusted person in the room. There's so many different things that we can do. And I think that the most important thing for people to know is that they should give themselves agency to do what they need to be and feel at ease as much as they can. Because I think part of this thing with with Western um, yoga is that we are constantly asking, are we doing it right? Yeah. Right. And sometimes the way that the instructions are given, it's like, this is the only way to do it. This is the way it's taught and there's no other way. And so there needs to be um, flexibility for people to be able to um, kind of be creative 
for what they need for themselves. I think you've picked up there on such an incredibly important point, um, Tracy, because, you know, just as you've described, you know, finding a, a shape or a position that is going to work for you in that moment because it could it could be different every day I often talk about building a nest in you know whatever way you can but actually that sense of agency is incredibly powerful for the individual that sense of choice and knowing that one way isn't always the right way for everybody um you know we talk about a lot about this just from an individualized person point of view when looking at menopause and symptoms you know not everybody has exactly the same list of symptoms and just as you've mentioned the shape you might come to for a deep relaxation yoga nidra is going to be different for everybody and it's making sure you feel feel comfortable and secure and safe yeah thank you for naming that because i think with menopause the other thing to remember is that not every day is the same yeah. Right. One day you might have lots of energy and clarity and the other next day you feel like there's a cloud of, you know, smoke around you. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. And so just giving yourself grace um, in any of those situations, I think, is really important. And I think you're going to itself speaks to that sense of almost um, giving yourself that time of that self-inquiry when, when you feel, you know, safe in the, in the shape you've come to and that possibility of beginning to experience explore and contemplate and perhaps inquire around maybe that symptoms or, or, or feelings and thoughts that are coming up because it is a transition um, and suddenly I think a lot of people find they're not quite the person they were five years ago suddenly how did that happen and actually th this particular practice while it can support insomnia and we know for those who don't sleep other symptoms often then get worse as well it can also be this self-inquiry and this helpful tool to journey through this transition as well mm, yeah it's, and what you're talking about actually reminds me of one of the 10 wisdom goddesses um, who's known as Dumavati. And Dumavati is the crone goddess. She's also known as the wisdom, uh, one of the 10 wisdom goddesses. And she she rules this kind of space of, of grief, loss, decay, and even depression. And I think it's really interesting because... With menopause, I really feel like that transition, because it is a transition, is a portal into so much wisdom and so much strength, power, and resilience if we can uh, notice our resistance to kind of what is and the natural flow of life that, again, dominant culture tells us that we need to hang on to, you know, whatever the, the youth or these things are in order to be viable. And so the inquiry really that I'm always asking for myself is what in me is dying mm. and what in me is waiting to be born? Mm. And that sense of letting go, I think you've a paragraha, but that sense of, you know, releasing actually anything that is not no longer serving us whether that's you know something that is like you just mentioned tracy dying and what is ready be, you know almost getting ready to be born as you said that idea of moving forwards you know what, what what's possible um through this transition as well and i think that's what's really lovely about talking about this is that is that transition can be so we we, we need to allow ourselves to make that transition a, a very positive a very positive one because like you say it's often thought about as a loss or 
you know, we're, we're a failure of our reproductive organs or it, it's, it can be a traumatic experience for many women because of that. And I think that just allowing that transition and thinking of things differently, thinking of things as, as a rebirth or a, a moving on or gaining new knowledge, gaining new experiences is a really powerful one, but can also be quite a hard transition for many, can't it? Yeah, I think it is. It is a hard transition because we haven't, I mean, if we're really thinking about it, we're dying every day, right? And yet we don't, we pretend as though we're not. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be living forever. (laughs) We're living forever. And so, you know, there's so many different things at play between advertising and marketing and the fact that we don't, we've, lost a lot of our rituals around death and we don't have rites of passage in this in most of our cultures where we've been disconnected from them so you know this rite of passage menopause is a rite of passage right it is us moving into this darkness so to speak this phase of darkness to be able to kind of retrieve a new wisdom that is fueled by truth. And the truth is only found when we decide to go deep, right? When we partner with the unknown. Um, And so I do think that self-inquiry is a really powerful tool. Um, I also think that there's what you all are doing by bringing in this education and bringing it into the light. Because I also think that at least from my generation, it was never anything that was spoken about. Like nobody ever talked about, oh, this is what happened when I went into menopause, (laughs) right? It's just like this kind of thing that's undercover. Mm -hmm. So I I really feel like you're giving people permission to talk about this and to experience it in a new way. And I think that it's it's all really important. Thank you, Tracy. And I think this is this particular tool or this particular practice that you guys so beautifully, it could just be so helpful so for, you know, for this transition, but also just to allow people to explore this, these new possibilities of, of what can, what can happen and what, what can be born. Um, and just going back to this idea of a practice and, a, and making sure those who practice yoga nidra, if it is in a class and, and them having that agency, that, that possibility of, of practicing a way that makes them feel comfortable and safe, I think is, is incredibly, incredibly important. And coming away from, like we've just been talking about, this idea of clinging on to our youth, us clinging on to ideas around how yoga should look, should be and should be practiced, because I think we still are seeing a lot of that, um, which isn't helpful. It's not inclusive. It's not accessible for many people when it's portrayed like that. Yes. I mean, there needs to be, and I do see this shifting, Right. Is that there. And I also recognize that I'm also in a bubble of like whatever algorithms social media decides to show. (laughs) But at the same time, I do see this shifting away from the physical asana being the only form of yoga. It, It is a tool for us to awaken. And if we're not employing the benefits and and exploring these other limbs then we will be stuck and we will we will be stuck in this place of um 
when the body stops working in the way that we're used to, mm-hmm. when we're no longer able to do the, the, the advanced poses, right. When we see things shifting, then that, that grasping, that clinging becomes even more pronounced because we haven't actually progressed on this path of yoga in a different way. So yes, I agree I was, with you. I was with the wonderful teacher, um, Norman Blair, a yin yoga teacher here in the UK last week. And we were talking about the, uh, the eight limbs of yoga. And he said, you know what the ninth is? And I looked at him, you know, sort of slightly confused. And he said, it's connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, and I loved that because obviously we're connecting today with you and, and talking from the other side of the world, actually. But, um, this idea of connection, and coming together through this transition, but also with the practice of yoga nidra to, to support symptoms, to aid sleep and to find this deep rest that, as you said earlier, is also often thought of as a failure. You know, we should be doing, mm-hmm. going, working, getting. And actually what we really need is to take time to rest. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it is changing when you start to see, um, I'm starting to see corporations mm-hmm. in their marketing talking about rest and borrowing from uh, people who have been talking about rest for a very long time, uh, like myself, like Trisha Hersey, like Octavia Rahim. And I'm starting to see this come into the zeitgeist, which is, of course, why we're sharing these tools. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we can look all the way back to the work of Audre Lorde. This, I feel like the pandemic opened a portal mm. for us to realize how, just how tired we were. Uh, it opened a portal to uh, for us to understand the importance of community and connection, mm. right? And it also, I think, opened a portal for us to be more accepting, of ourselves and where we are in the season of, of our life. And we have to recognize that our life has seasons. And, you know, I think it's interesting because we're doing this podcast today on the uh, autumnal equinox, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This place of of balance. But at the same time, if, if we think, okay, well, what season am I in, in my life right now? How am I going to honor that as opposed to resist it because today is the the equinox and the the light is balanced but it's the the sun and the the light is going to start getting darker and as much as i might wish that the summer is still going to continue because i haven't finished all the things i want to do and (laughs) adventures i want to go on in the summer it's not it's unrealistic yeah it's delusional for me to wish that the summer was still here and not pause observe the transition and really be in the beauty of what is changing and what is being born from that change. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a lesson that we can learn from mother earth in whatever season it is that we are in in our life. And actually menopause is said to correspond with autumn, with mm-hmm. vata in, in Ayurvedic terms as well. So actually very poignant that we're talking to you today um, on this on this um, equinox. So we're actually running out of time, Tracy, and I wanted to make sure we signposted um, our listeners to your beautiful website and the courses you do. It's tracyyoga.com, isn't it? And uh, maybe you can tell us just a little bit about what you offer on the website and what's possible there. Oh, wonderful. So it's Tracy with two E's, yoga.com. And um, I offer, I have a a portal um, of practices that's called the Radiance subscription. 
And it's really this place of people coming together um, to practice a few times a month. And you can also do it on your own if you don't want to join in the community. Um, But all those practices are meant to remind you of your inner radiance and to help you build your inner radiance. So they're all practices of self-remembrance and we have special guests. Um, And then the book is um, radiantrest.com if you're interested in learning more about the book. Um, And that comes with five downloadable practices that you can do right away to rest. So that's about it. (laughs) Yeah. And I just have to say the book is beautiful um, and your guides guides are beautiful. So I would highly recommend for those who might be interested in in deeper radiant rest to to get Tracy's book. Thank you so much for joining us um, to record this show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor and a blessing. And uh, I look forward to following you more and um, enjoying your wisdom as well. Thank you, Tracy.